Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. Give that worship team a great big hand there today as well. Doing two services today and uh, Good Friday on Friday from our uh, dream team uh, to our kids ministry, our production teams, our worship teams. I want to say thank you. Um, But we do it to serve God. And I tell you, the best place to serve God is in his house, serving his people. And so it's an honor. I uh, thought about it this morning. This is my 11th Easter sermon, uh, and I I count it an honor every time um, to to stand up and share the gospel. Um, It is a living word. Uh, It is a risen Savior, and it's an honor to be in God's house today with you uh, and to open his word. So this year's theme uh, highlights how Jesus changed the world and heaven forever. They were looking forward to his arrival. When he arrived, they were saying, is he the one we've been waiting for? And when he resurrected and they saw him alive after his passion or after his suffering, they realized... He's the Messiah. He's alive. And the empty tomb was the receipt that the price had been paid. It was the evidence. It was the proof. And so uh, because the life and resurrection of Jesus splits history in two, we're celebrating today. And there's no bigger event that's ever been in recorded history than this Resurrection Sunday when they showed up and said, he's not there. (laughs) He's risen. He's alive. So I want to read real quick here from Luke 24, and I'm going to be in Luke 24 all day. Uh, It says, very early on Sunday morning, everybody said Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb. They were visiting the, the, the grave, the tomb, and they were bringing spices, the Bible says, that they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. We know 
these as angels. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why? I love this right here. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. That the Son of Man would be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. That he would be crucified. And on the third day, he would rise again. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. Look at it now. But the story, his story, sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. At first, they did not believe. It was so amazing. It was so incredible. At first, they could not believe his story. I want you to say hello to somebody around you if you can. Just greet them. Let them know you're glad they're in the house. I'm so glad each and every one of you all in the house. It's a great day to celebrate a risen Savior. I want to focus on a lesser known story in the resurrection story today. Because Jesus actually showed up to two people and he told them his story. And so I, I believe that that resurrection day, that empty tomb, it is the biggest event in history. Uh, but I love this lesser known story within the story because Jesus shows up to two people and he tells them his story. And so it's all in the gospel of Luke chapter 24, but more than just telling you his story today, I want you to, uh, I want you to receive how miraculous this story really is. And I want you to just get it down deep in your spirit that this is the greatest story that has ever happened. Jesus showed up alive after his passion to over 500 people at one time. They saw him alive, walking, talking, even eating fish, touching people. Uh, after the cross, I'll tell you, if that happened today, 500 eyewitnesses is more than enough proof yes. to report it on W, what is it, WFTV, whatever it is. On NBC, CBS, ABC, all around the world, CNN and Fox, they would say 500 people saw this man that was crucified. He is alive. And so I I want you to realize that the world has never been the same. We pick up this, this story on the day that we're celebrating, on Resurrection Sunday morning, all those years ago. And two women, followers of Jesus, they go to visit the grave. To their amazement, The stone has been rolled away. And it's an empty tomb. The angels say, ladies, he's not here. He's risen. Just like he said he would. So they rush back and they tell the disciples without Judas, the 11 disciples. And even the disciples found the story uh, hard to believe. Even though they can't believe it yet, Jesus is alive. 
And verse 13 tells us, or just two verses later, verse 13 tells us later that same day, two of Jesus' followers, not the women, but this is Cleopas and his companion, they're walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walk, they're walking and talking about everything that has happened. It says they talked and discussed these things. And as they were talking and as they were walking, Jesus himself suddenly shows up and began walking with them. But notice it now because this is a lesser known story within the resurrection story. God kept them from recognizing him. So two disciples, Cleopas and his friend, they're talking about the events that had happened over the last week. And if you were with us last week on Palm Sunday, you'll know that it had been a whirlwind of a week in Jerusalem. On Palm Sunday, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem on the donkey. People are worshiping him. They are coming to a recognition that he is the Messiah. He's done amazing things. He is the Christ. He's the anointed one. He's the son of God. He's worthy of worship. They were waving palm branches. They were all these things. They were ready to celebrate Passover week only to watch him be betrayed, arrested, put on trial, whipped, scourged, crucified, buried on Friday, and they are in disbelief. They are troubled. They are discouraged. They are in fear. And these two disciples, they are voicing their doubt and discouragement, and they're walking away from it all. They were on the way to Emmaus which means they were leaving Jerusalem, walking away from it all, leaving it all behind. Jesus is, Jerusalem is where Jesus was. Uh, Jerusalem is where they had worshipped him and waved the palm branches and all, where everything had happened. And now they're walking in the wrong direction, leaving everything Jesus gave them behind. They're going in the wrong direction. And the first thing I want to tell you today from his story is his story will change your direction. Yeah. I know you're thinking, I know you're thinking, yeah, but, but Jesus is now walking with them. Yes, he catches up to them. He chases them. He walks after them. They were giving up. They had lost hope. But their feet are now following their words and they're walking in the wrong direction. Verse 17, he asks them, he says, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? So Jesus catches up with them, doesn't reveal himself to them. And uh, it, it says that they were discussing something intently. And they, they stopped short, sadness, notice it, sadness written across their face. Then one of them, Cleopas, replies to Jesus and he says, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened in the last few days. I love Jesus. He plays it coy here and he says, what things? <laughs> Tell me, what things? The things that happened to Jesus, they say. The guy from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all of the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. They said, we had hoped he was the Messiah. We had hoped he would be the one that would rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. 
And so for three days, they've been in disbelief. They've been in discouragement. As you can imagine, they saw who they thought was the Messiah, betrayed on trial, condemned, crucified, and buried. And they were beginning to think, and and logically they were concluding, that this would never have happened if he really was the Messiah like we thought he was. And now they're saying we had hoped he was the Messiah, but now we know he wasn't. We had hoped that that everything would change and he would rescue Israel and all these things would happen in Jerusalem. But now their feet are walking away from Jerusalem. They're giving up on Jesus. They're giving up on his word. They're giving up on his promises. And I'll tell you that our lives move in the direction of our declaration. They're walking away from the place they had hope. They're walking away from the place they had faith. They're walking away from the place they heard his truth and his teachings and his parables. They're walking away from the miracles. They're walking away from all of that. And we have to know today that our voice, uh, it matters. What we say matters because our feet will follow our words. Our direction will follow our declaration. And they were saying in verse 21, they said, we hoped he was the one. We hoped he was the Messiah. We thought he was going to be the Savior that would rescue us. And I think we've all been there if we're honest. Maybe somebody's there today on Resurrection Sunday. You say, I I thought that job promotion was going to be for me. I I had hoped that medical procedure was going to be my answer. I had hoped that relationship would be mended. Jesus, I had hoped that you would have done it by now. I was believing in you. I thought you were my savior. I had faith in you. I, I, I thought you were the Messiah. But now we're walking away from it all. But without them realizing it, Jesus joined their conversation. Good news today. Jesus still goes after people that are walking away. Jesus is still the good shepherd that'll leave 99 and go chase the one that's discouraged, that's disillusioned, that's fearful, that's hurting, that's in tears. And I'll tell you, everything changes when Jesus says, yeah, 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 yeah. I know that part of the story, but you don't know the rest of the story. And this is when Jesus shows up and tells his story. Everything changes when Jesus shows up and tells his story. I'll show it to you now in verse 25. Jesus says to them, you foolish people. So we miss this this Jesus sometimes. The, The table flipping Jesus. The you foolish people Jesus. He says, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all of these things before entering into his glory? Then Jesus takes the time to walk them through the writings of Moses and all of the prophets explaining all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He's saying, don't you remember, this was prophesied. Don't you remember, the prophet Isaiah said this. Don't you remember, Psalm 22 said this. Don't you remember, this said this. And suddenly their eyes were opened. I'd have loved to have been there. I don't know if Jesus had his hood over. I don't know if he had a different cloak on. 
I don't know if he was kind of hiding his appearance. I don't know what he was doing. But when they realize this is Jesus, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? I want to preach today and tell you hearts are changed, directions are changed, lives are changed. When you hear Jesus' story, Jesus says, yeah, the cross was a chapter in my story. The trials, the betrayals, the pain, the suffering, yeah, that was all a chapter in my story, but it's not the whole book. You got to finish the book. You got to get to the end of this thing. I want to tell somebody today, Friday, he was in the grave, but Sunday he was coming out. And if you ever read the back of this book, Jesus is on the throne. He's not in the tomb. He's alive. He's a risen Savior. The cross was a chapter, yeah, but the empty tomb was on Resurrection Sunday. And sometimes when we're going through a hard chapter, we just need to say, it's a chapter, it's not my story. And here's the thing, you have to know, Jesus had a plan. We don't always understand the plan, but I'm glad I don't understand the plan, because that means it's a better plan than I've got. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His plan is better than my plan. So just hold on. Don't talk yourself out of his plan. Just keep doing what God has called you to do. And I love once Jesus begins to unpack the messianic prophecies, I'd have loved to have been there and have him tell his story. He's tying all the loose ends together, and he's saying, back to Moses and back to the law, and, and the lamb was this way, and the Passover lamb, and just like that, the lamb of God, and he's going through the Old Testament law and the Old Testament prophets, and he's saying these things of himself. Didn't Jesus fulfill this? Didn't it say he was going to be born this way? Didn't it say he was going to be crucified this way? Didn't it say this? Didn't it say that? And didn't he fulfill all those things? And as they're walking to Emmaus, the lights start coming on. And they begin to realize Jesus had a plan all along. I don't know about you, but have you ever turned the corner in life and you look back and you say, he had a plan all along? You ever got to that next mile marker and you say, he had a plan all along? You ever get to that, that through the valley and you turn around and you say, he never left me. He never forsook me. He was with me all the way. He led me beside green pastures when I needed green pastures. He led me beside still waters when I needed still waters. And I think in that moment, the disciples started to realize God had a plan all along. Why was I worried these last three days? Why was I in disbelief the last three days? And they realized the cross wasn't the end. The whipping post wasn't the end. The tomb wasn't the end. Jesus isn't finished yet. And I want to tell somebody in the house today, Jesus is not finished yet. Jesus is alive. Jesus has a plan for your life. Jesus is alive. And his story changes my direction. They knew the parable teaching Jesus. They knew the healing Jesus. 
They knew the rise up and walk, Jesus. They knew the water to wine, Jesus. They knew the fish and the bread, Jesus. But they didn't know the lamb that was slain, Jesus. They didn't know the lamb that was bearing our sins, Jesus. They didn't know the he conquered death and hell and has the keys to hell and the grave, Jesus. And so Jesus had to tell them, I had a plan the whole time. And I love, here it is in Luke 24, it says, verse 31, suddenly their eyes were open. They recognize him. At that moment, he disappears and they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Verse 33, and within the hour, they're going back to Jerusalem. That's why I say his story changes your direction. They'd been walking away from Jerusalem. They'd been running from Jesus. They'd been walking away from hope, walking into discouragement, walking away from faith, but walking into doubt. But the Bible says within the hour, they turned around and went back to Jerusalem. All they needed to turn their life around was hearing Jesus' story. I wonder if somebody today would turn around when they hear the story of Jesus, that he is alive, that he loves you, that he has a good plan. I might have been walking this way, but now I'm saying, I'm going back to Jerusalem. They got to Emmaus and said, we don't belong here. Let's get back to where we, we were. I want to tell you, Jesus still shows up to people that are going in the wrong direction. Maybe you've been feeling like giving up. Maybe you feel like your direction is down. Maybe there's been one disappointment after another. But I'll tell you, Jesus will show up in the middle of all of that and turn you around and put your feet on solid ground. He has a good plan. His story is true. His word is true. His promise is true. Even in the midnight hour. I wonder if somebody's been going your own way long enough to realize it's not the way you want to go. It's time to go another way. I want to give you a Bible word today. It's called repent. And if you don't know what it means, it just means turn around. And I don't know what repent looks like in your mind. I don't know if you, if you think of running to the altar and crying hot tears in the altar. I don't know what it looks like for you. But I'll tell you, it doesn't even have to be a big production. It can just be a decision to go a different way. Just right now say, I've been going this way and I'm going that way. I've been going this way, but I'm going that way. I've been going toward doubt. I've been looking at discouragement. I'm looking at faith and hope today and I'm walking a different direction because of the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you guys are like me, but I get pretty stuck to my uh, GPS now when I'm driving my car. I even know where I'm going, but I just turn it on anyways. I just want to know if I-4 is going to jam me up for 20 minutes or 40. I just need to know. And my phone will do these things. I was on the expressway recently. How many thank God for the expressway? That's, that's worth taking a lap and just saying, thank you, Jesus, right there. Um, yeah. And, and, and the, the thing about the expressway, though, is you got to know when to get off the expressway back onto I-4. I was trying to come here to the church the other day, and, and I didn't get over quick enough. And all of a sudden, my phone is saying, rerouting. 
rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. I feel like that's God's word to somebody today. Rerouting, rerouting. He's got a better path. He's got a better route. He's got a better plan. Can you just get back on track? Can you just follow your way? Because one encounter with Jesus will change your direction. I wish somebody say amen to that. I love, I love this. I don't want to go too deep on the Bible on Easter Sunday. We're celebrating an empty tomb. But Ezekiel 46 and 9 says that when people came into the temple, they would come through the north gateway to worship the Lord during the religious festivals. And they had a rule that if you came in the north gate, you must leave through the south gate. And if you've been here, very, I love preaching this, and I think someday I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to put a sign up there. If you come in this door, you've got to go out the other door. Yeah. We don't have opposite one, but we'll get it maybe someday, next, next place. But there was a rule that if you came in this door, you had to go out that door. Right. And as silly as it sounds, what it did, and, and it says and if you came in the south, you've got to go out the north. They must never leave by the same gateway they came in but must always use the opposite gateway. And as silly as that rule sounds, what it got into the heart of the people is when I come to the house of God, I'm never going to leave the same way that I came in because Jesus changes my direction. Jesus changes my direction. I came in going down, but now I'm going up. I came in going east, but now I'm going west. I got direction in the house of God. I got direction from his word. I got direction from his story. And I'll tell you, one, direction, one encounter with Jesus will change your direction. The second thing I want to give you quickly is that his story can become your story. Uh, here's what I love in Luke 24, 35. The two from Emmaus, these two disciples, it's in Luke 24, 35. Um, 24, 35. It says... The two from Emmaus, 24-35. There we go. Oh, I'll wait. 24-35. This is really good. 24-35. Luke 24-35. There we go. Then the two from Emmaus told their story. Their story of how Jesus had appeared to them. It was his story. Now it's their story. Now it's not just Jesus's story. Jesus's story is in their story. Before Jesus, their story was regret, disbelief, fear, running. But now after Jesus, they're saying what Jesus was saying. His story is now their story. I know we all dressed up on Easter Sunday, but does anybody have some before Christ stories? Got some before Christ stories and after Christ was added to my life stories? We all do. We've got some before Christ stories. Before Christ, they were fearful and disbelief running. Before Christ, some of us were mixed up, messed up, doing the wrong thing, going the wrong way. But once Jesus got added to my story, I was this way, but now I'm that way. Come on, don't be too holy on Easter for me. 
I was a mess, but now I'm cleaned up. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was angry, now I have joy. I was mixed up, now I have love. Oh, I've got some before Christ Christians in the house today. But now Jesus is in my story. Used to just be his story. But now his story is my story. I love how Paul reminded the Corinthian church of this. He goes on for verses and verses and verses. You can read it at home. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He lists all these awful sins. And they're all kind of awful sins that God will bring justice to. But then he reminds them in verse 11. Some of you were once like that. Don't ever let us forget our before Christ story, our before Christ condition, our before Christ direction, and our before Christ story. But I'm so thankful that now my before Christ story is now a testimony. He said you were cleansed. You were dirty, but now you're clean. You were messed up, but now you're holy. You were wrong, but now you're made right by God, calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Don't ever let us forget, such were some of you, but not anymore. I've been washed. I've been sanctified. I've been justified. I've been forgiven. I've been saved because my before Christ story is now my story. Praise God for that. Somebody in our church was telling me their testimony recently, and the thing that she kept saying was, when she came to the Lord, she deeply wanted to change. She didn't want the old, same old, same old anymore. She wanted something new. I remember she told me, she said, I was praying, Father, change me. She said, I just kept saying, change my life. Change my situation. Change my direction. Change my heart. Change my mind. And I'll tell you, that is a life-changing prayer. That type of prayer will bring a change of direction. That type of prayer will be, bring a change of, of, of fortune and blessing. And it'll bring repentance. It'll bring salvation. It'll attract the Holy Spirit to your life. And his story becomes our story when we participate in the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we identify our life with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. His story becomes my story. The Bible teaches us that baptism is so important because it's a burial of the old me. And just like Jesus, I don't stay buried for long. But I come up in newness of life. And it says you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Not improved. Not a makeover. Not maked up. <laughs> made up. Made new. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. That means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. And the old life is gone and a new life has begun. Somebody today might say, you don't know where I've been. Anyone. 
you might say, you don't know what I've done. Anyone. You don't know where I came from. Anyone. You don't know where I was born. Anyone. You don't know what I've been addicted to. Anyone. You don't know what I've been trapped in. Anyone. You don't know what I've been walking through. Anyone. You don't know where I've come from. It doesn't matter. Jesus said, let anyone come. If you're thirsty, let them come. Can we come to church? Anyone. Can we come to Jesus? Anyone. Can we change direction? Anyone. Can his story become my story? Anyone that belongs to Jesus is a new creature in Christ Jesus. Last thing I want to say is his story is so amazing. You have to experience it for yourself. You got to experience it for yourself. Music come. I'm going to close. I, I just want some keys behind me or something here. It's so amazing that Peter had to experience it for himself. So amazing. Remember, we saw at the beginning, they, they didn't believe it at first. They were saying, no, 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 no. We saw him on the cross. He can't be alive. We saw, we saw them roll the stone in front of the tomb. He can't be alive. Thomas said, no, I'm not going to believe unless I see the nail prints in his hand. Thomas, by implication, was saying, I I saw that centurion when the high priest leaned over and said, make sure it's finished. And the high priest pierced his side with the spear and I saw blood and water pour from his side. Thomas said, I won't believe unless I can touch those nail printed hands and put my hand in his spear pierced side Peter was thinking the Lord said I'd deny him I said I wouldn't but then I did I can't believe he would st- he would be alive the disciples on the road to Emmaus are saying we had hoped he was the Messiah now our hopes are dashed and the Bible said there was a sad countenance on their face. Luke 24, verse 11, we read it. It said, the story sounded nonsensical. Like, no, there's no way. We saw him crucified. We saw him whipped. We saw him impaled to the cross. We, John's thinking, I, I was there when they took his body down from the cross. Joseph of Arimathea is thinking, I, I was there when they put him in my tomb. Uh, There's no way. But verse 12 says, but Peter, there was enough belief there. He said, if that's true, that'll change everything. I'm having a hard time believing it, but if it's true, I've just, there's enough of him that did believe it was possible that he jumped up and he ran to the tomb stooping, peering in, and he saw the empty linen wrappings. But Peter didn't encounter the Lord at the tomb because the angels had already said to the women in verse 5 and 6, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. So Jesus shows up. Verse 36 
standing there among them. He says, peace be with you. Verse 37, he says, the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they'd seen a ghost. He said, why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, Thomas. Look at my feet. You can see it's really me. Touch me and make sure I'm not just a spirit, a ghost. They don't have bodies. You can see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. And still they stood there in disbelief, amazement, filled with joy and with wonder. I got to tell you today, Jesus is alive forevermore. And because he lives, you can know him for yourself. Because he lives, you can have the same experience today that they had back then. And just say, Lord, would you show up to me today? Could I enter into your presence? Could I feel your touch? Could I hear your word? Would you speak to me today? And I'll tell you, our faith does not end on Friday because he's not on the cross any longer. Jesus is not on the tomb any longer, but the tomb is empty. Jesus is not on the cross. He's not in the tomb. He is here. He is risen, and he lives forevermore. And because of that, we can experience him today. Stand with me. I'm going to close. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet all over this house. The worship team's going to sing, and before we go out today, I want to pray over you and just believe that each and every one of us would have an experience with a risen Savior. Here's how I want to close today. The angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Catch it now. They were looking for the right thing in the wrong place. We're about to sing, he can turn graves into gardens. They were in the grave looking for a risen Savior. He's not here. And that's really what the problem for so many of us is, is we're looking for the right thing in the wrong place. You're not going to find Jesus in the tomb because he's risen. You're not going to find good news on CNN or Fox or pick your poison. You're going to find good news in this book. So don't look for it on this earth. Look for it in Jesus. Why are we looking for the living among the dead? And really, that's what so many people are doing is they're looking for the right thing in the wrong place. I'm trying to find on earth what can only be found in heaven. I'm trying to find on earth what can only be found in eternity. I'm trying to find in the temporary what can only be found in eternity. I'm trying to find peace, joy, happiness, contentment in all the wrong places. Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 said God put eternity in the heart of each of us. This means God has put a, an eternal shaped hole in our heart that only the creator can fill. But we try to fill it with so many other things. Try to fill it with another good time and it doesn't fill 
behold. It's like our, our youngest son, he's got these toys all over the living room. And I noticed recently we've got that puzzle where you try to put the square in the square and the star in the star and the circle in the circle hole. You ever watch your kids struggle with that, putting the star in the circle hole? It's cute when they're one. It's not cute when they're 31 or 41. And I wonder if that's how God feels watching us sometimes, trying to fill a space that only he can fill. And if you need joy today, I'll tell you, there's joy in his presence. If you need salvation today, there's salvation in his word. And there's nothing else going to fill it but him. And so I want you to experience Jesus today. The angels are saying you're looking in the wrong place for the right thing. You're looking for life in dead places. He's not here. The stone has been rolled away. I want to tell the church today he's risen. He is alive. I wonder if we just lift up our hands and lift up our voices all over this house today and just begin to call on him and say, Lord, I look to you today. I want to experience you. I want to experience you in the power of your resurrection. Lord, we look to you. We trust in you today. Lord, I call on your name right now over this house and over your people in trusting and believing, Lord, that you are alive and that you are speaking to us. And we receive that today in Jesus' name. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.